0: I would rather just based upon my history when it comes to the people that buy the crazy watches hang out with them anytime over somebody who like nerds out on like vintage Rolex or modern Pateks or anything like that those people that like hungrily run after those watches are the most insufferable but the open-minded people that have money and buy weird stuff way cooler way friendlier way more down to earth probably more interesting across the board when it comes to like socializing and I wonder if you guys have an opinion on
1: a musical themed show this week with chimers of various varieties from Omega, Jacob & Co., and Christopher Ward. Plus, Ariel is back and in One Piece, Greg gives a defense of Daylight Savings, and David exclusively reveals the next watch line from Rolex and the latest from Good Week, Bad Week. Enjoy the show! Greetings
2: and welcome to this week's A Blog to Watch Weekly The Soldier Has Returned, The Man Has Made It Home. The legend in his own lifetime is Ariel Adams has returned from Sicily. How are you, sir?
0: Wow, that was a great intro. I wish someone would say that every time I, you know, got back into town.
2: Shall I clip that for you, and you can just like play it on your phone through the speaker every time you enter an airport? The legend has returned.
0: Yeah, like on some some Bluetooth speaker, just like really loud. Everyone on the plane's like, "What's going on?"
1: No, we'll have a butler accompany you everywhere you go, and anytime you enter a room. He just steps inside before you and announces your arrival with those very words.
0: I could also bribe the staff on the plane to play it over the speaker. You know, like the, the announcements from the, the pilot. This would be one of them. Like, okay, <laughs> everyone, uh, just so you know, the legend has uh, a at home. Uh...
2: you know of course that i am now actually going to clip that and the next time i see you i'm coming accompanied with a bluetooth speaker and as we walk into the first meeting at watches and wonders which is probably Rolex, i'll be playing that in the background we'll get somebody to record the video of it ariel adams has entered the rolex booth welcome to watches and wonders
0: could you have the subtle godfather music playing the background because i've been hearing that music so much over the last two days it's like permanently ingrained in my mind
2: (laughs) are you sleeping best now that you're home um
0: all that sleeping with the fish has really relaxed
2: me yeah is that right good good well we're (laughs) glad you're back we'll find out what you watched on the on the plane shortly david how are you i'm very well thank you and the clocks have changed for you and for me this weekend but not yet for ariel so it is only by means of small miracle that we have actually all managed to be on here at the same time this morning
0: can we complain about daylight saving Cause I feel like it has the word time in it and that's kind of relevant and I, I have yet to meet anyone. I mean literally anyone who's like, yeah, daylight saving is a great idea, we should continue with that.
2: Can I introduce you to myself, the humble farmer? Who thinks that daylight saving is a great idea because it was originally designed for us and i'm up for it
0: but does this still apply do you still you know with lights and stuff like that do you still need this <laughs> this daylight and is it worth everyone else in the world having to like be dark earlier
2: it's a cost of living crisis ariel the more sunlight we can use in scotland it's the it's the worst combination of scotsman the ability to get something from free from the sky and the cost of living crisis, meaning the electricity costs eight times what it did six months ago. So this is the ultimate Scotsman thing. Everybody in Scotland who was against daylight savings is now entirely in favor of it because they don't need to switch the electricity on.
0: You're talking about this class of people known as farmers and they have <laughs> they have particular needs I understand.
2: Oh, hold on, can we just say it? it's it's not class as in working class, upper class, it's class as in that's class. So it's classified. We're just class people. Okay. There's a group
0: of people out there called (laughs) farmers. (laughs) And they have special needs related to the time of year and sunlight why can't they just have their own time that they abide by it's not like you actually get more sunlight in the day like we all realize this right like the amount of sunlight during the winter is quite finite um why does everyone else all the non-farmers in the world have to go to this strange dance
2: i mean okay it has to be said that i don't actually farm anything other than grass and you're not allowed to eat horses in the uk so the horses that are here don't count either but you know it's just our way of saying you know just reminding you that we're here, reminding you that farming's important, (laughs) reminding you that if we didn't farm, you wouldn't eat.
0: What's going to happen then when all the the meat and everything comes from factories? We're going to have a complete reversal. They're not going to care about time (laughs) at all. They're all run by robots and things like that. Then you'll see. Listen, I'll give away
2: daylight savings if the jetpack I was promised on 1970s television and the robot cleaners and all of that, the robot servants that go ahead of you, Ariel, with the Bluetooth built-in speaker announcing your arrival... If I can have that childhood dream that was sold to me by Tomorrow's World, famous BBC program, then I'll accept the loss of daylight saving. But until I get my job So this packed, is
0: politics happening. He's looking for certain types of concessions for him to vote <laughs> for something reasonable. This is just politics happening in front of our eyes.
1: <laughs> what I suggest is that the farmers keep a separate time. So there's farmer's time and everybody else's time. You know, there's so little overlap between between our lives. I, I don't think it will make much of a difference.
0: And you know what? You could have watches just for you. The watch companies would love it. There's farmer's <laughs> watch. The Casio G-Shock, you know, Plowman, whatever you call it. I don't know. With special Plowman.
2: farmer's time. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm just reserving that name. The
1: Plowman <laughs> watch. Yeah. The, 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 the farmer's standard time. <laughs>
0: <That's> yeah. <good. laughs> fst that could be a really new that'd be a, look the rolex hasn't had a good you know new collection in a while we have the gmt <laughs> why not the
1: fst exactly. it could be something interesting the farm dweller, <laughs> the, farm
2: dweller. The, okay, so... the farm dweller okay so the dweller
1: there you go the dweller
2: okay okay uh, and that's, the, that's all we have for our show today because that's the best joke so so there we go we were we were we a farm dweller yeah I'm selling that and, and just because it's Patek Patek will you know introduce it a year later upside down yeah. uh, <laughs> for three times the price <gasps> anyway that's right. so good stuff well, we're glad you're home Ariel we're glad your daylight savings worked well David uh, in Hungary this weekend and coordinated with mine so we're all here Okay, first up, because we know it's important, we know that everybody wants to hear uh, the a blog to watch watches watches section. So, Ariel. You've been international traveling. What did you watch on the plane and what watches did you see on what you watched on the plane?
0: I really should have said to you that I didn't spend too much time watching movies. I mostly watched documentaries. There was like no watches. I feel like it's really a letdown. I mean, I was I was hoping to see more of the Godfather movies on there because I saw one again. Two and three was not on the plane. But they have all the Jurassic Park films. Who's so excited about seeing four the first one's great, then it goes really downhill from there, but no Godfather stuff on the way to, like, you know, Italy? Kind of weird, right? <laughs> but I wrote about some watches in flight, but this was this was a non-orological transatlantic journey. I'm so sorry.
2: The thing that everyone was that excited about. I was getting emails, getting voicemails. What did Ariel see? What did Ariel wear? There you go. That's it.
0: If if everyone's excitement hinges on what watches I saw on the tiny screen on the back of uh I got bumped up to first class though, so maybe I saw some cool watches in the cabin.
2: That's a good point, because I did see your video and I thought that doesn't look like business class. That looks distinctly first class.
0: Yeah, it was it was good. They have a, they give they put a flower, like an actual real flower at every seat. That's definitely worth the like six thousand dollar premium. I have to say, I was say. gonna
2: say that's like the world the most expensive flower other than the rose at the center of the new G. Jacob and Cool that you've seen in the past week. <laughs> well,
0: you know, speaking of the the watches, it was so great to see some of the actual Jacob and Company clients wearing their watches because you always think right. like, okay, who buys this stuff and also which ones do they buy? And I actually got to see, this is who buys this stuff and this is what they buy. And one of the watches that stood out was a unique 101 version of the Bugatti Chiron which is this strange watch that has a small 16-cylinder engine in it that, like, operates like an automaton. And this watch is already, like, over a million dollars, but this individual decided they wanted one of one one that had a lot of gold and a lot of diamonds on it. So to see a car engine on the wrist just completely decked out in diamonds totally made my
2: week. I mean, the people? I mean, I'm sure they're all lovely, but does the kind of character you expect to buy that kind of watch, does it turn out that that's the kind of character that actually does buy that kind watch
0: i'm gonna say this right now and i think that some people might be offended but are
2: they listening i hope
0: not (laughs) i would rather just based upon my history when it comes to the people that buy the crazy watches the high-end jacobs and things like that i would rather hang out with them anytime over somebody who like nerds out on like vintage rolex or modern patex or anything like that those people that like hungrily run after those watches are the most insufferable you guys might have an opinion. On it. But the open minded people that have money and buy weird stuff like novelty watches from Jacob and Company, way cooler, way friendlier, way more down to earth, probably more interesting across the board when it comes to like socializing. And I wonder if you guys have an opinion on that.
2: Well, I think i my opinion is I now know what the intro clip's going to be for this show. <laughs> i well i don't know i've never met anyone that owns a jacob and co so i don't know you just have this kind of expectation that someone that spends a million pounds and ices out a watch that was already really expensive is going to be completely insufferable but i am willing to but then again people that you know actually quite a lot of watch collectors are insufferable it doesn't really matter what kind of watches they're collecting we're really losing our audience here but never mind no Uh, no, this is is important
0: because people worry about what are people going to think of me if i wear this watch the people that spend that money on the jacob watches there's a few things you need to think about one they they truly don't Care what other watch lovers think about them, (laughs) which is a really important thing because when you're talking about like Rolexes and stuff like that, they're like, "Oh, is this other guy going to approve my purchase? Is so and so going to like it?" (laughs) There's so much insecurity built into the process, especially when it comes to like which of these vintage watches are valuable and which are worth nothing. Like it's it's very strange and like top down. Like there's some sort of authority telling you what it is you need to buy and own with stuff like Jacob and Company watches, and that there's there's no there's no one there. You just buy what you like. It's purely a personal decision. So these. People are more confident. They they like talking about random things in the world. I've been to collectors' events where, like, you try to talk about anything but watches, people immediately start to get like prickly and 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 don't want to talk about. It. I mean, you've seen that type of situation. That. These people happy to talk about And Yeah, David knows what, what what I'm talking about. So I think it's important to say that from like a from like a taste and maybe sort of like um the perspective of like you know what has the most horological authority. Yeah, you can have all these like weird discussions on like, you know, what is more a real watch, but at the end of the day, it's like who do you want to hang out with? And the people that are willing to take those risky decisions to buy those fun things, they're just way more fun and cool and they have interesting things to say, they're intelligent. You know, sometimes you have this idea of this like, you know, a bunch of dumb thugs who who, you know, part of some, you know, plutocracy that stole a bunch of stuff. And that's not who these people are. They're they're a lot more interesting and dynamic. And I think the way that Jacob sets himself up is like, he's having fun. He invites you to come have fun with him. It's a certain kind of Jacob fun. But if you like, you know, I'll give you an example. He likes hanging out cigars to everyone. He has these fancy cigars. He makes himself with his face on it. And he just hands out cigars. You want a cigar? There's cigar. <laughs> cigars. Everyone's smoking cigars. I'm not personally a big cigar guy, but there's sort of a little bit of a relaxed, way of carrying yourself and enjoying life when, you know, people are just throwing cigars around as opposed to, Maybe sort of a little bit more of a conservative group, but I think that's really what it comes down to—the open-mindedness and the, the the combination of that with luxury. It's just—it's refreshing to be around, at least for me.
2: It did look like a great event, so yeah, that's cool. David, you sound like you've got some something to chip in on this.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel like I, I've we've been to probably several hundreds of these events over the years between the two of us, easy. And yeah, I just feel like you know, my of course we go there for work, and work is is, is related to watches, but some. Sometimes it's good to just, you know, just uh, get a glance outside of this universe and just talk about other stuff. And uh, and it's really difficult sometimes. There's this pushback. People just go like blank, you know? Like, oh. <laughs> we're here to talk <laughs> about watches and hand sizes and case sizes and whatever else. And I'm like, oh my God, if I have to have this discussion again, I'll just, that's when I go blank. And not because I don't like watches, but because it's so much of the time, it's so regurgitative in the sense that it just revolves around the same topics, the same quote unquote values, Which i also hate it's 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 a lot of virtual signaling through watches which is one of the most odd and weird ways to to do that but yeah nevertheless it it happens and it happens probably more often than than some would prefer well we're going to come on to the jacob co-watch
2: shortly but let's let's move on somewhere else just now bit of last week's show this week and something we had to take out of last week's show because the audio didn't quite work there was a bit of a drop in quality from our really high standards but it was pointed out that the Patek that we reviewed last week, the split second chronograph, the what we the Destro, the left hand drive, we had a bit of a conversation about whether because this watch is platinum, Patek would normally put a
1: diamond on it,
2: isn't that right, David?
1: Yes, they would. Patek is known uh, for uh, for placing a diamond in between the lugs into the profile of the case, so technically where the strap joins the logs it's it's difficult to spot but it's one of these moderately pretentious ways of telling others that you actually have a platinum watch or to be reminded of it in case you don't notice the weight
2: am i right in saying it normally puts it at 12 o'clock
1: no they put it uh, at six o'clock
0: no it's normally at six o'clock that's always where it is it's at six o'clock
2: right so right there we go so it's not yeah my mistake it's normally at six o'clock however The new Patek... Is
0: this all coming down to the fact that Patek failed to re-engineer a case and they just turned it upside down and then called it a day?
2: Basically, yes. So the 5373P, because it's a perpetual calendar and Patek have managed not to adopt the very simple technology that IWC have to be able to control all of the perpetual calendar functions via the crown, they still need adjuster pushers. And the adjuster pushers for this watch are at 6 o'clock and at like... 6.30 6.30 and what that means is that at six o'clock there is now no diamond because there's a pusher there so you would think oh well maybe patek have put the diamond at 12 o'clock because the platinum watch deserves a diamond we cannot see any photos of this watch from the 12 o'clock position so it looks like this particular patek platinum watch may not have a diamond on it and in fact as ariel has said all they've done is replace the spot that they would normally put the diamond with the pusher because they've simply turned the entirety of this case upside down and not re-engineered it one jot in order to make it suitable for this bizarre desk. Well, well, today ends my purchasing
0: of platinum Pateks.
2: That's it. You have been uh, summarily removed from How all the waiting lists. How dare you! I know that's it. it's terrible. You just
0: expectations, but there's a big book in Patek Philippe that's titled "If there's a platinum watch, there must be a diamond on it somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> and uh someone hasn't read it apparently
2: you'll just have to queue for jacob and co's from now on that's it you're relegated to yeah to the i world guess of so. jacob and Co., big cigars etc etc so we have made a appeal last week for someone who's seen this watch in person or has a photograph of the 12 o'clock position but as yet we've had no takers but if you want to contact the show for that or anything else it's podcasts at a blog to watch dot com good week bad week from my point of view, Good Week, Bad Week has continued in a Rolex vein. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I don't know if this is a global thing or just a UK thing. This stop the oil protesters are spraying everything orange, particularly focus on luxury stuff and stuff that's oil related. So they sprayed a Ferrari garage. And last week, any kind of bad week for Rolex, they sprayed the Boucher branch of Rolex, bright orange, from some fire extinguishers. I'm assuming they didn't use oil-based paint who knows uh, however i would also like to suggest that it was a good week for rolex because it meant that the rolex boutique windows were all covered up so you didn't see that all the watches that were on display were display only so it was both a good week and a bad week for that one rolex store w-
0: weren't these the people that target high art and things like that
2: same people use so, the l- soup
0: so let me get this straight:
2: the sunflowers
0: rolex is so popular now that it's seen as high art by vigilantes like that's a good week for rolex like when the criminals feel that they can take their anger out on something like this, like that's that's super popularity right there.
2: <laughs> I'm just waiting for us to be targeted. When I say us, I mean you specifically, as the with orange with orange of, paint with orange paint. I think it's Halloween. I think you'd look great. Was the Tango Man a thing in the states? The Tango Man. You've been tangled. Is that a fl- is that a flashback to British culture? Uh The way I remember it is this was an advert do you know what tango is
0: um like the dance
2: no no so so fat you have fanta in the states don't you Yeah, I've heard, yeah, the the soda, right? Yeah, so soda. So Tango is basically, a must have been a British version of an orange soda drink. And they had this character called the Tango Man who basically ran around the countryside in a bright orange, full head-toed jumpsuit, like Lycra, and would go around slapping people saying, you've been tangled. So effectively, the Rolex boutique, etc. has been tangled. So I think you being tangled, you know, I think that would be quite interesting. I'll stand in front of you with the Bluetooth speaker at the same time. I'm seeing a whole a whole new intro to their blog to watch youtube channel here
0: so i'm going to be doused in orange paint upon every entrance that sounds great for my wardrobe
2: i think that's good i think that's good it makes a change from black
0: i feel like (laughs) my clothes are under threat right now by orange paint you know there's going to be someone being like ariel wants this doesn't he (laughs) so no i don't want to be have orange paint thrown at me not Really high on my list of things. I'm not like in like an old Nickelodeon kids
1: show where I want to be slimed or something. Say I would say Badwick is definitely for for somebody who's put a down payment on on that without realizing it's just upside down. And you know, <laughs> I, and to be honest, I don't I don't think it's a stretch to say that somebody might have done that. If somebody's <laughs> done that, then it's certainly a bad week for them. And as for good week, hmm, that's a good question, you see. I think it's a good week for Omega because they were getting a lot of traction with this chiming watch that they launched, and it's also... They managed to find, again, a niche. This is like what we talked about last year, again, with this Patek, that sometimes it's like throwing darts at a board that has different functions and features on it. And then, you know, wherever the darts land, they just make that watch. So somebody was like, a vintage Olympic style watch, but make it a chronograph, of course, and then make it chime. And then that's what they did. You know, obviously, you know, the the engineering in it is is really cool. And and I love the way that they expose the hammers on the dial side and all that. So that's great. And uh, I also know from our our fellow team members who've attended the uh, the launch event in la that they put on a huge show which is also great to see the return of those so yeah i guess it's a good week for for omega right let's
2: review some watches this week is all about watches that make noises of one form or another because this week there have been in the last week there have actually been three watches launched one of them's about to be launched but we're recording this before it goes that make noises so let's start with the one that i think was launched first which was the omega speedmaster chrono chime and the olympic 1932 chrono chime watches david you've just spoken about these you clearly like them you're clearly wrong but tell us why it's reasonable to pay 450,000 pounds for a chiming watch that only chimes for 15 minutes worth of time Cool. <laughs>
1: to be absolutely clear, I don't think it's a good idea or, or, or the phrase you use. It's, it's not good value, let's, let's put it that way. Uh, I find it, actually here's an odd, odd thing that I've, I've noticed with Omega. Uh, sometimes they launch something and on the day that it's launched, I think sometimes they are, or at least their products are given too much credit for being collectible someday. You know, oh, it's a, it's half a meal because, you know, it's it's collectible, it will be collectible. I'm not really sure that it's going to be that collectible. It's not on brand for Omega to make a chiming watch. You know, so sure, it's rare, but it's rare for a weird reason. I don't think it's a good match for the Speedmaster anyway. This old, you know, ob- Olympic style, you know, 1932 chrono is gorgeous in a way, but also kind of weird in another, and it reminds me of a Beauvais, actually. Uh, quite a bit. You know, they are nice watches, but I, I don't, I don't like this justification for any sort of product, watches or otherwise, where we say it's expensive now because it will be collectible later. That's like trying to price in or already set the price for something like that. And very, very few brands can get away with that. You know, Porsche, Ferrari, maybe, but you know, for watches, I don't think that this is this is a thing. Yeah, but it's 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 a great looking watch. I like the bracelet and the case, which are beautifully made, even though those are not the point of this watch. Again, and it's also what we saw with the Patek, but we keep coming back to this Patek. This also is, a, is an exercise in rotating a movement. It's the same movement, but it's rotated by, you know, like what, 90 degrees? And then the pushers start migrating around the case, and then the crown is in a different place and all that. But, and you get two different looking watches that, you know, have the same movement, obviously by rotated. I'm not suggesting that they should re-engineer the whole thing, but it's a thing that the watch industry is rediscovering again in the 2020s. And uh, frankly, I didn't see that coming.
2: ariel i think i'd read that this watch started to be thought about about six years ago was there something that was happening six years ago when they started thinking about this that meant this was a really good idea but six years later they can't like stop it so they keep going and then are like well that's great we've developed a 300 gram you know basically the weight of a soda can and yeah it's cool it chimes but i thought the panerai equation of time was a pointless complication i don't get why you wouldn't just create a minute repeater as opposed to a thing that chimes after 15 minute you know within 15 minutes yeah it's a,
0: it. it's a strange it's a strange type of thing I can sort of see in my head how some of these meetings go about. It begins with, hey, guys, we need to do something. So-and-so has been working on this, and -and so-and-so has been working on this, and someone else decides, like, hey, what Omega needs to do is appeal more to the high-end collectors. You know, for a while, I don't think they do it that much anymore. But Omega, every single year, would release several, you know, $100,000-plus watches that were basically like, you know, diamond and bejeweled versions of, you know, Planet Oceans and things like that. Um, A lot of that has seemed to scale down. And there's probably someone in Omega be like, Yeah, we want to sell watches to those people again, but we don't want them to be jewelry watches, we want them to be, you know, complicated watches. And so there's like a lot of like elements of, of overall Omega DNA at play here. I think it's true to say that like this does not conform to most collectors' idea of what Omega is and what's supposed to be. And what I've tried to remind people that Omega today is a mainstream luxury brand kind of touting itself as an enthusiast brand. It can make enthusiast-grade watches, but that's not actually like its overall goal. Its overall goal is to be a mainstream brand and appeal to as many demographics as possible, whether it's someone on the street wanting just a nice watch to wear, to someone who spends you know, over $100,000 per watch and wants some exotic grand complication or something like that. Omega gets jealous of the Patek Philippe's of the world and things like that that are able to sell those those things. And remember, the high-end brands at Swatch Group, Breguet, and Blanc Pond, while they do have chiming watches, you know, they don't release chiming watches like all that often. So it's not something where there's a lot of competition within the Swatch group, which is also something that they look at a lot. So there's probably a lot of like strange roads that that coalesced into this rather than it being sort of like one visionary person who said, hey, we gotta have this crazy thing. I think it's cool. I'm not particularly excited about it because I think that it's like, it's not really a tool watch and chiming watches are great, but I guess it's fun to play with. I mean, my understanding was you'd run the chronograph and then you would activate it and the chimes rather than telling you the time would tell you the elapsed chronograph time is that it
2: as i understand it yes but it's only a 15 minute chronograph and it's split second so i don't know if you split the seconds which time it tells you Does it tell you to the first one? Does it tell you the split? It just breaks. (laughs) It it just breaks. (laughs) Does it tell you to the third one? So I I, I did inquire as to whether this was a 60-minute chronograph or more when I originally saw it before I saw good photos of it. Because I'm thinking, has it got the capability to chime 15 minutes and 59 seconds before it runs out of power? Like, how much of the power reserve does it use
0: think about the various use case scenarios where such a Such a thing would ever even be conceivably useful. I'm not saying that we can't sit here.
2: The moon, obviously going to the moon. Okay,
0: so there's some time on the moon where you need to measure just 15 minutes or less, and you can't look at your watch. You have to hear it. Like where? Like are you locked in a closet? Like what's going on? There's no light. (laughs) I don't want a
2: closet. I have
0: no idea exactly what Omega was thinking. And so that's the weird thing. They come out with this complication. They want everyone to celebrate how cool and novel and amazing it is. And yes, no one has done it before. Yeah. But we love to joke about, you know, answering Questions that nobody has asked. It's not that no one's asked. It's like people have asked this. They'd be like, "No, we don't need that." <laughs> um And Omega's like, "No, I think, I think, I think we do." So I, I appreciate they're doing new stuff. It, it makes for good headlines. They'll definitely get attention. Hopefully, they, maybe they think there's trickle down, right? Like if we have a four hundred thousand dollar Speedmaster, that's going to make our five thousand Speedmasters look great. Like that might be another yeah. thing. I, I don't know. The
2: antidote to the moon Swatch. <laughs> it's
0: not for enthusiasts. Like, like if you're a watch collector and you have like infinite budget, great. But if you're like looking looking at stuff that makes sense and you're like a traditional Speedmaster fan of which there are many you're just going to be scratching your head and being like who is Omega trying to get excited about the Speedmaster I mean that's like really what I'm trying to figure out
2: has it got a dot over 90 just to round it all off
1: oh definitely it has to have it
2: <laughs> I mean it is lovely it is clearly a feat of engineering as you say it, it is not that it was a question not asked it was a question asked the answer was no and they did it anyway so there you go but go check it it's a great article John wrote the article Really interested what you think. Do we think that the Olympic 1932 chrono makes more sense because of the vintage appeal, or does it make even less sense? I'm just shrugging. <laughs> An audio shrug, Dejus just Yeah. Dead
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is it from 1932 that makes sense today? Global chaos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're like a financial <laughs> crisis, maybe. Yeah.
2: <laughs> cool. Well, go and check out that article. Really interested to hear what everybody thinks about this. So please send a voice memo. Email to podcasts at blogto watch or go via Spotify. You can send it directly on there. Tell us what you think of this. Tell us why we're wrong that this is the greatest thing that Omega yes. has done. That this is the pinnacle of the speedmaster. Wait, wait.
0: Here's another way of looking at it. Maybe uh, they start with the name Chrono Chime and they just work their way backwards. Like Chrono Chime yeah, sounds yeah, great. Sounds now, nice. what does it do? <laughs>
2: <It's reverse engineered. laughs> okay, so well, I, maybe that's it because we've got we've got the farm dweller. So just dweller. Now you need to relax. You need to. you you need to re-engineer reverse engineer that we've got the chrono chime anyway there we go right let's move it along So, Ariel, you were at the launch of the Jacob & Co. The Godfather. What, in the end, did they come up with?
0: Well, this was the first, like, big invitational event from Jacob & Company, who, for many years, has been quite a wealthy brand that has done very impressive things, but they've been a little bit more discreet in terms of the trips. And when I say discreet, the immediate thing that came to my mind was their very non-discreet booths at Baselworld, which were, again, not at all discreet. But when it came to sort of like media activations, showing off their horological cred and stuff like that, they just hadn't done a lot of it. I was lucky that for many years, I was sort of invited into the fold where I was shown the watches and you know their watchmaker would, would explain this stuff to me. And you really got an, a, a very good feeling that this was a company that cared about horology and making cool things that no one has done and really having um, a risk-taking spirit that you just didn't see elsewhere. And so finally, they... You know, gained a little bit more. Um, I guess maybe the confidence or the desire to communicate. And so this wasn't just a Godfather thing. That wasn't just a you know new chiming watch thing. This was really an opportunity to mix Jacob and Company staff, like I said, some clients and members of the media, and a lovely place. So in a sense, it was it was a party. Now. Jacob Arabo himself is a major fan of The Godfather and has worked with Paramount Pictures on a couple of watches. And, you know, this whole thing of doing it in Sicily and all that, I, was, I wasn't I was sure going into it for like, is there a bigger party? Is there something else that, you know, Jacob was sort of latching on to? No, Paramount did have a 50th anniversary of The Godfather logo prepared in some initiatives and literally just sort of invited them like, hey guys, it's a 50th anniversary, want to do something? And Jacob was like, well, what do we do? They didn't go so far as to make a new complication because that's crazy, but he wanted to try something new on case decoration. And really the thing that he did, which was interesting is use laser engraving uh, to decorate the case with scenes from the movie. And I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more, a lot more of this laser engraving out there. People are not really going to understand it. It's going to be seen as... is. Kind of, you know, cheap because like, oh, a laser is doing it. It's not. One of the things I think is interesting about how it's not cheap is with a lot of sort of like computer engraving, you just assume that you put a file on the computer and then you put, you know, and then the machine just, you know, prints what the, what's on the computer file. That is not correct. And, and I asked them, I was like, okay, so now that you're doing this laser printing, can any customer just come and say, hey, I want my cases cut like this or decorated like this and say no. The amount of trial and error to make it you know, look right is intense. It took tons and tons of instances to do it. And each case takes about 30 hours, assuming there aren't any mistakes on it to actually to do. And, and, and we're talking extremely high level precision. And they tried everything. They tried to cut it by hand. They tried every kind of engraving they had, and they found that this laser technique Produced the highest quality the most vivid detail and it's really cool in person to see it And so I think that we're going to start to see over the next few years So many more watches with cases and dials that have been decorated with these with this laser engraving technique And it's sort of similar in a way to how 3d printing is slowly making its way in, in the world of watches and things like that So I know that has nothing to do with Godfather No, it doesn't have too much to do with Jacob and company But for me that was the most relevant thing about the trip is how this is going to start to, to, to take off and in a way it's similar to sort of sapphire crystal cases they came out they were very exotic they were very expensive people realized that there was demand for them and the price started going down and i think that it's going to be similar with that the watch itself is just another version of the Jacob and Company Opera, which is a movement that combines two things. One, it's a triple axis tourbillon, and the other part of the movement is a music box. And these are mechanically separated. They have their own mainsprings and, and and adjusters and operators. The music box is simple. You, you turn a crank, you wind up the barrel for it, and then you push a little um, button on the other side of the case. And the entire dial spins around. That's kind of what's interesting. The entire dial spins. The double barrels for the music box start to play. It is the theme song of The Godfather. And they have other watches like this that have other theme songs. And it's just this insane half-million-dollar watch that does fit quite well on your wrist, but is just in it's 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 for the ultimate godfather collector. Um and that's really what it is. There's fifty of them. Is this the type of thing that like makes or breaks a brand? No. But I think it shows a brand at a particular level of strength and importance that they can make a relatively wild watch like this with a lot of investment and that's just something they do. The confidence that there's a market for this, the confidence that they can move these, I think is is, is very telling. So we can sit there and scratch our heads. But I also think that Jacob's going to have less problem you know, moving these Godfather watches and Omega is going to have selling every one of these Chrono Chimes because Omega has to warm up a lot of people where Jacob already has a, a very receptive audience for these things.
2: Yeah, very good point. And that'll be an interesting point to continue to the next watch that we'll review this is not a watch i'm gonna buy it's not a watch i'm that interested in but i do like the fact that the whole dial rotates and it keeps the actual time telling mechanism level so it rotates in the opposite direction of the rest of the watch so that it's always the right way up when i read that the dial rotated i did have for a brief moment the horror scenario that the whole thing rotated which meant that the watch was then upside down but as they are not Patek, Obviously, they thought about it and decided to have the rest of it rotate in the reverse direction so you can always tell what the time is. Is it, it's difficult to say, it looks like a pretty cool watch, but it's just not the sort of thing I'm ever going to wear. You said that you met some people that are buying Jacob & Co product. Did you talk to any of them about what else they own? Is it just people that are like, so avant-garde or whatever in their fashion their taste and their excess and their wealth that they're like yeah of course this is what i buy i'm not going to buy a rolex or a patek and an ap i'm going to buy this because people are going to talk to me about this people are going to ask me about this no one's going to come up to me and ask about the ap that's in my wrist because you know the people i hang out with i've seen them everywhere but they're gonna ask for this and it's a toy and i'm gonna play with it and you know it's cool and we can have a chat about it and make it do its thing and show off and all the rest of it what did you feel was the attitude of people who were Buying these kind of watches.
0: It's a good question. There's a lot of people out there, and again, it has nothing to do with income levels. Just sort of a a sense personality who don't want to be part of the Rolex, Patek Philippe, Audemars Piguet wearing club. Because when you are, the first message it sends is, "Hey, I wanted to wear that popular thing that everyone else likes." And we know that a lot of people have money are by definition iconoclasts and outliers and people that do not want to be associated with the rest of the herd. They want to stand out. And unfortunately, if you want to stand out for any other reason than I have money, wearing a Rolex doesn't do anything. And and, and honestly, decreasingly does a Patek Philippe or an Audemars Piguet. The only way for them to feel like the individuals that they think they are is wearing watch that is really sort of created by an individual. Jacob is a personality and so is the brand and has all that personality. These are people that see others wearing Rolexes and Pateks every single day. This, this is the crowds they run with. So for them, there's there's nothing interesting in it. There simply isn't any value other than, hey, look, I'm wearing, my my, my friends are wearing. These are people who have started businesses, who have created things, who have, have have made things from nothing. So the idea of them appearing generic through what they wear and what they do is it's just not appealing to them. I wouldn't say that they're sort of like, they, they don't dress weird, they don't look weird, they don't speak weird. It's just more of an internal desire to distinguish yourself. They like having fun. I think that's a big part of it. They really like having fun. They're youthfully minded in the sense that you don't sense a lot of conservatism. But w- w- there was people from all over the world, whether they live in the Caribbean, in Asia, in the, in the United States, in Europe, Like there was a cross-section of collectors from out around the world and these were warm nice people that were fun and, and and i stand by my statement that in many instances i would rather i would way rather hang out with these people than a bunch of patek collectors
2: well you can go and check out this article it's a fascinating watch i think i would probably also now like to go and have a party with the people who are reading these kind of things. you have persuaded me, Ariel. But let
0: me say, a lot of them were also, they also bought those watches, the Rolexes, the Pateks, and things like that. I talked to some of them about some of their other watches. And so what we don't have a lot is this distinct is this sort of like distinguishing line between like, I'm a conservative watch buyer and I'm a crazy watch buyer. Maybe that's a distinction that we have. But for a lot of the collectors, they're happy to buy both. And what I find interesting isn't the fact that they buy Rolexes and Audemars Pigues as well but where they like to buy their weird watches from, right? Because there's a lot of weird watch brands out there. And what you don't find is that the guy who likes Jacob and company also likes Beauvais. They might not dislike Beauvais, but they just don't know about or don't care about Beauvais. So they're sort of like they find that one crazy brand that they like, they feel a connection to it, um, and they sort of stick with it. And then maybe after a while, they, they dabble in others. But it's not like this is the person who's like, I don't wear anything under a Debentune. Like, it's not really the mentality, if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> if you've not checked out Jacob & Co.'s Instagram channel and Jacob's personal Instagram channel, they are fascinating, especially when you see him doing his drawings go so go and try and follow wherever he is whatever the specific address is find him on instagram because i think there's possibly the occasion where you think this is just someone who's at it but actually see when you see him work the guy is a true artist now it may well be that you don't like his art and that you too want to throw tomato ketchup or tomato soup over it like these oil protesters but there's no disputing that the guy is talented in doing what he does in focusing on the things that he wants to focus on he's doing this work himself you look at him draw and sketch and stuff it's absolutely fascinating to watch so go and check out his Instagram channel for that one final watch that makes a noise from this week but we're going to hand over to a quick interview I did with the man himself and that's Chiming Watch from Christopher Ward Well, we're pleased to welcome back to the show uh, having, I mean, maybe I shouldn't give away the musical turn that he ended up doing at the launch event. You know, we we were expecting his daughter to be doing all the singing, but it turned out once you got enough alcohol in Mike Franz that he was perfectly prepared to join in and do his operatic best for the launch of the new Christopher Ward, which I'm guessing will have caught most people in left field I, i'm guessing most people won't have seen this coming but christopher ward have launched the bell canto which is a chiming watch it's a very going to be a very musical week on the show this week so mike tell us what the motivation was behind this because i think this has been going on for a while
3: uh it has rick and uh, hi just before i do that i should uh, warn you that you should be careful for what you wish for because uh, if i do start <laughs> singing
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it will clear any room very quickly. I certainly haven't talented my uh my lovely daughter. Anyway, yes, we, um, we are
2: we are recording this obviously before the launch event, but I I have been told by the people organizing it is a strict half past nine finish. So oh, it's yeah. possible that they just have in mind that you are going to be singing in order to clear the room. That's their strategy.
3: That that, that, that is the strategy. I think a very <laughs> very wise one it is as well. But yeah, you ask about the motivation for um for the um, C one bel canto. It's uh i suppose it you're has allowed just there. to say
2: it's cool and so we did and i own a watch brand i own a watch brand i could pretty much do what i like and i wanted to do this it's actually okay it's just that, that, okay to confess that you don't need any deeper reason
3: case, that's pretty much the case
2: you're not grand seiko you don't need to have looked out the window observed the shade on mount fuji in another no, shade no. of pink or blue you can just oh, say it's I, cool oh,
3: that i could though oh that i could <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, literally, we want to enjoy what we do. Yeah, We like challenges. Mm. And three years ago, Frank Stelzer, a technical director, had the brilliant lateral thought of being able to convert our jumping hour module, JJ01, into a watch that chimed on the hour every hour. A brilliant piece of lateral thinking. I, I, I could lie in a bath for six months and not come up with uh, with that <laughs> as an idea.
2: That's the other alternative for cleaning, clearing the room on the uh, next It is next Indeed, week. <laughs> that, that, that would
3: definitely, that, that would Piece play more, the, that would play more the room. Piece of art
2: installation. Piece of art installation.
3: And he had the brilliant sort of notion of doing that. Most people, most of your listeners are probably aware that we design and uh, manufacture most of Meister Singer's watches for them. Yeah. And in fact, the first evocation of, ultimately became the Belcanto. Canto, we created the Aura for them. Yes. And so that was uh, that was three years or so ago, and that mm-hmm. was Frank's inspiration. Wonderful watch though, it is the Aura. The actual layout of the, the module, because it's being hidden behind a classic dial, didn't need to be wondrous and beautiful. And and we wanted to bring all of the relevant parts of that make the chiming element to the surface so people could actually see um, what was happening. And that then led to four people, including Frank, four young people. Frank is the elder, the oldest of these four young men. Um, he's only he's 40. Uh, 40's not that young, perhaps, but he's young to me. The others are in their early 30s. So, you know, Adrian Buckman, our head of design, uh, Jörg York Bader. Our head of product and uh, Will Bratfield our, our designer and those four with a little bit of um, encouragement from me set about a journey which has resulted in the Belcanto. canto and a complex journey it was at times frustrating infuriating always invigorating and I'm not going to be falsely modest about this watch I don't I don't think it deserves it we have created they have created something exceptional it may be left field for some people, but I I think it's time people began to acknowledge and understand that we have within our business the sort of expertise that allows us these journeys into horology that some you know some others don't have the expertise that allows them to do it. This is a particularly wonderful execution of a charming watch or a sonnery au passage as the french would have it uh, and i'm pleased to say my daughter is particularly the opera she's an opera singer as you know it's in the um, in the solfege system it's uh it would be ray as in do ray therefore it's wonderful to be bringing a drop of golden sun to the wrists of um, some of our fans.
2: Is that going to be your opening line next week? No, but, I, I, <laughs> it,
3: but it, it might be now that I've said it. I shan't be singing it, but it's in the key of D, Ray uh-huh. is D, uh, so yeah. the, 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 the chime is in the key of D, and it's audible, recorded at 78 decibels, which is a very um, credible sound, and that sound mm. is driven largely by the execution of the gong, the spring, if you will, that goes around much of the circumference of the watch, yes. and that alone... You You know, Frank went through more than 80 executions to get the right sound. You know, thinking about the different materials it should be in, the different finishes, the different lengths unbelievable and what you find out when you try and you know set off to try and create a watch that has um, a musical tone is there there are no books on this you know we can probably you and I could probably go and take a few books out of the library and uh, if we had the skill which uh, I'll count myself out on we could probably go and build a chronograph because it's well documented actually there are so few brands that have done uh, a sonnery passage or a minute repeater that actually the the secrets that go into the you know into the mix are not Noted down anywhere. So you have to go through this incredibly sort of long passage of trying and testing time and time again to get the right sort of combination that you're looking for. All of that then done within an aesthetic which was never going to be compromised. And that created the tension between engineering and design, because every time, as you will know, every time you move just a small screw, it can often affect every other part of the watch. Here we were changing every element of the original FSO1. FSO1, obviously, in honor of Frank, Frank Stelzer. His original FSO1, we've changed completely to so that, that that the positioning of all of the components that mattered to us that we think matter to the customer are above the platine and that is no small thing to do. Sometimes engineers aren't as Concerned about aesthetics as designers, and so you know my role was probably and uh, only to um, a separate them on occasion. And, um, you know, make sure that the, the energy was all of a positive nature, which it largely was. It's just been, and but the, this watch is the story of those four young men, and they have created, as I say, something very, very, very special. And we're not going to uh, going to be falsely modest about it. It is those who have seen it thus far, uh, and some. One in one in, one person who will remain nameless, but uh, who has never reviewed a Chris Ford watch previously, has described it as a masterpiece. You you lot can, can be quite hard bitten at times, yeah. And uh, surely not, surely not, surely not. Surely
2: not. You're clearly not talking about this Scotsman. No, 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 no. <laughs>
3: surely, surely, never, 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 never thought of that. Another has commented: This is not just an important watch for. Crystal Ward, which I think it certainly is, but an important watch for the industry, because it's restating what's possible at these sorts of prices. I mean, the price pointing is, in UK pounds, you know, for um, the vicuna leather strap option, just below three thousand pounds. I mean, it's, and we it's, should say
2: that's UK pounds. UK pounds, yeah. On the twenty-seventh of October, because you know, with everything else that's going on at the moment, that could change.
3: Oh yes, it's, it'll probably be fifteen thousand by the time we're <laughs> on the first of November. You know,
2: so. the time we're on our tenth prime minister in three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, let's not go there, Rick. Let's not go there. So. You know, it is a a really significant watch for us. It's our first ever watch in Grade 5 Titanium, the case in Grade 5 Titanium. That, because Grade 5 Titanium, we discovered, gives the best sort of resonance, and we were looking for that. The interior of of the case has been thought about and designed equally to enhance that resonance a bit, bit like a racing car is often uh, stripped of all unnecessary pieces to give it speed this has been stripped of everything to unnecessary to give it the maximum sound and as i say it achieves a, a, about 78 decibels at wrist distance you know we've used again some of the horology suppliers that you will be familiar with people like Armin Strom produced the platine for us beyond them producing the platine it uh, it also we wanted a positive coating on the platine so uh, it it has a 1500 nanometer positive coating by a company in geneva that does that um, sort of thing chronode who you'll know work for people like MBNF, they produced the hammer the gong it's itself uh, and all of the bridges above the platine for us and you know their level of execution it uh, doesn't need me to tell anybody that um, we are talking you know par excellence here so It is, I think, an important watch for us. It's a a show-off watch. Let's not kid ourselves about that. You know, we're we're showing off what we can do and hopefully bringing, you know, real pleasure to the people who'll own this watch. Indeed, we were at a wind-up watch for over the weekend in uh, in New York, and uh, we'd invited some of our some of our vip customers along to meet with us um or they, they they'd invited themselves which is <laughs> and we showed it to one guy who burst into tears oh, um, okay. it was that emotional for him and, and you you try and work out well why would that be apart from uh, he's an emotional person but actually i mean he was speechless he was left speechless and he had he needed time to compose himself and then there was the drop of a tear thinking about it i think to some extent, and this is what gets us out of bed in the morning, really, I don't think he ever thought he would own such, he would have the wherewithal to own uh-huh. such a watch. And there's something remarkable in being able to deliver that. You know, we know the visceral pleasure of owning fine watches. I'm fortunate enough to be able to afford some fine watches. I'm sure you are as well. Many people don't have that capacity, especially in these times, by the way. And then for a brand to come along and show them something of this ill, which literally, you know, if it was... 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 UK pounds, nobody would actually bat an eyelid about. Yeah. And it's three and you can afford to buy it and own something this special. Well, that's why we get out of bed in the morning. That's what Christopher Wood is all about.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, it is a lovely watch. It's obviously when I opened the box, I had one for just over a week. When it arrived, I had the vaguest idea of what I was opening opened it i was shocked (laughs) i was "Mm, don't know if i like this don't know if i do because it's just not what you expect and then as i wore it i noticed first of all it was very comfortable yeah Uh, but you know sitting at my desk most of the time wearing you know the good old apple watch it actually sat beside me on my desk just you know just on one of my monitors and it was such a charming experience just to have it go off every hour yes it was almost like you're sitting surrounded. so i'm sitting surrounded by all of this technology and then every hour you would just hear this ping it was kind of like sitting next to a church steeple yeah. and you would be reminded every hour that there's a real world out there that analog does exist and that the world is not just about digital and so actually i think that was the most charming thing about it for me Was actually not wearing it bizarrely. It was just having it there. And as I was sitting at my desk for eight, nine, ten hours a day, hearing it going off. So, no, congratulations. I'm sure those that buy it will really enjoy it. I think it will be a watch that people will absolutely love or completely not understand. (laughs) And that's probably the two camps it'll fall into. So, no, congratulations to you and the team for putting this together and all the best just finally this initial one is a run of 300 does that leave wriggle room for there to be a sequel
3: yes i think almost certainly and uh, from the reaction we've had thus far uh, i think we're going to have to uh, so we're already Good. preparing the ground for the next Belcanto.
2: Well, if you manage to like put a chronograph on it, you can apparently <laughs> up your price to about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So I, I kind of suggest that that's probably the the, the route to go.
3: We'll, we'll give that very careful consideration. Thanks for the tip.
2: Yeah, or or put a little piano on it and it plays a tune, and that it can also sell for about a million. So there we go. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Mike. Uh, All the best. Cheers. (laughs) Bye-bye.
3: Cheers now. Bye. Bye.
2: Okay, so there we go. You've got a Christopher Ward that's about two and a half grand also doing its chiming thing. It's just an hour chimer. It is basically the same as because they were involved in building the movement that Meister Singer had with their, I think it was called the Bell with the Meister Singer that chimed every hour first of all what do we think about the move that is christopher ward because mike was very much concentrating on this i, I think there's a move from christopher ward saying look we're actually serious watchmakers if we want to make a chiming watch we can we've got the people that know how to do this we can do this what do we think about christopher ward That's cool. if you like doing their own little bit of omega which is you know, we've got guys. We've got some watch chops. We know how to do this sort of stuff.
1: What's the price? Rick?
2: It's a two and a half thousand pounds, I believe.
1: Well, that's that's that's, that's great oh. for a chiming watch.
2: So, I mean, it's in that two and a half. I mean, this is British pounds. It might be three and a half thousand next week. The way that uh, money's going in this country at the moment. But yeah, it's put it this way, if you if I gave you four hundred and fifty thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars, you could buy one of the omegas, you could buy one of the Jacob and Co's, or out of the three hundred of these Bell Canto watches that are being made by Christopher Ward, you could buy like say half of them. So which are you buying for your four hundred and fifty thousand dollars? One omega, one? jacob and co or half the stock of the limited edition of the christopher wards
1: they are equally stupid um you Uh, you know probably i would buy the 300 of those and just do one of the uh dougabird duck kind of dives into them you know (laughs) yeah 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 fill a vault with all of them and just dive headfirst into all the all the chiming watches and hear them all break immediately when i land on them but still it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun uh you can put together a mighty amazing amazing, incredible collection for $450,000. So I feel like, you know, it's, it's aimed at people where 450000 is uh, has the same meaning as Forty-five thousand, you know it's it's meaningless so so for them it's like sure take it i hope it's expensive enough sometimes that's the thing so that the going cannot buy it you know if it's only 200k then ah uh, well you know people can stretch that far or whatever no i, I want like a full half a meal that's that's where we start talking you know so yeah.
2: don't you dare ask for a discount on your resharved meal we don't do discounts
1: yeah no please don't <laughs> yeah exactly
2: yeah the bell canto is 2995 pounds so yeah i mean three grand for a chiming. Watch. It was surprisingly comfortable to wear. It's not the sort of thing that I would wear on a day to day. And initially, when I opened the box, not knowing what I was receiving, I was like, this is just weird. This is just not, this is complete uncanny valley. Don't get it. Christopher Ward, what are you doing? But see, as I hung around with it, especially as I said in the interview, as it sat in my desk and it would just chime nicely every hour mm. it was actually quite a charming thing to hang around nice it was almost like i actually genuinely found myself voiding out for three or four seconds just after it chimed thinking yeah that's just really nice it was just a it was like listening to a bit of bird song out of the window and taking you away from all the digital stuff that you were surrounded by so yeah a charming watch will be interesting to see what the community's reaction to it is it's clear that this is we've got lots of talented watch designers and watch manufacturers in the organization we need to occasionally let them do what they want to do not just produce another dive watch and also doesn't have christopher ward on the dial anywhere so there is no logo on this watch other than on the back and on the crown so a bit of a moser just says swiss made on it which i don't think moser even says so but that was quite interesting. You could not identify this as a uh, Christopher Ward from a distance looking at it. I
0: got a, I got a comment here and I'm glad Richard that you like this. It's it's, it's good. Um, I agree with you that striking watches are from a day-to-day basis the most satisfying type of chime-in watches exactly for the reason you said is because it automatically does its thing. A minute repeater, you have to activate. It. You have to activate it. You have to listen, you have to do math in your head. You're like what time is it? And then after that whole little process you ask yourself why did i do all that with a chiming watch like a striker it automatically makes a sound uh, at various intervals sometimes every hour sometimes every hour in the quarters there's different, you know, complications. I think what Christopher Ward has done is made their own version of the most basic type. Okay, so some of them, remember, every hour on the hour, they actually chime the time. So when it's two o'clock, it chimes, you know, dong, dong, or it'll do 12 times for 12 o'clock. Some of them are, are hour and quarter strikers. So uh, every 15 minutes, they chime the time automatically, right? There's there's less of these in wristwatch form. This is more like a, uh, a grandfather clock would do these things. But the sort of world of, Striking watches is actually quite deep, and most people really don't know about the diversity in in them. So what Christopher Ward has done is make their own version of the most basic thing. And for years, you could actually buy these types of hour strikers, very inexpensive. The German company, Nivrell, used uh, uh, an available um, hour striker movement in watches that were about the same price as this one, uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, But this was, again, going a a long time ago when these were much more exotic. So I think what Christopher Ward did is say, okay, we want to have a chiming watch. We want it to, you know, fit into sort of our personality when it comes to, you know, you know, uh, affordable pricing. We want to look a little bit modern. And they made a very satisfying every every guy version of a chiming watch. And, and you see the charm in it. It is fun where it just sort of makes that ding. You know, the hour goes by. Y- you have to know that it's the most basic version of that. And from a complexity standpoint, there's a world of difference here between what goes into this and say a minute repeater that has to have this complicated set of cams and levers and things like that. This doesn't have to do that much. It just needs to know when there's a new hour, and over that hour, it stores up a little bit of a little bit of a power, and then that power gets released so that the hammer hits the gong, which is an interesting shape here, where it's sort of turned back on itself, kind of like a, a a bent hairpin, which I think is interesting shape for a gong, and it it makes a sound. So it looks cool. It's satisfying from an auditory perspective. It is mechanically very simple, right? It's the simplest chiming watch that you can make. And so I think it's just important to understand that, yes, like you said, these are quite nice to hear. They're very fun. But there's this whole long spectrum of complexity that starts here and it goes up to some of the insane things that Gerald Genta did that were minute repeaters and sonneries and had petite and grand sonnerie and all this crazy stuff in there, which is, you know, an entire other world of complexity. But that simple human pleasure of hearing those those chimes it is a very lovely thing
2: so there will be an article we're recording this and the article is not yet published because the watch isn't yet launched but i'm sure if you go to the website now you will see the article on this bel canto from christopher ward if you get a chance to see one of these then you really should it might not be your thing but it's just a really interesting watch to see that someone's done at this price point so yeah go and check it out that is us for this week. There seems like there might only be one appropriate tune to play us out on, so you'll hear that chiming away in the background. So, yeah, that's us for the show. Do contact us, podcast, at blogtowatch.com and join us again next week. Goodbye.
0: Thanks, everyone.
1: Thanks. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.